Welcome to another episode of Back to the Batcave, revisiting Batman the Animated Series. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and with me is my co-host, Josh. Josh, how's it going? It's going good, Adam. Awesome. It's good to be back, continuing our coverage of Batman the Animated Series in our special uh, fan-created um, watch order, not by us, by by somebody who did all the work, and congrats to them that we just took your idea and decided to revisit the series based on it. But um, before we do that, there is news in uh, the world of uh, Batman in other media, namely film. Uh, so the first bit of news I want to get your thoughts on today, we saw leaked imagery of seemingly Ben Affleck's stunt double in costume riding a bat cycle. Yeah, so, yeah. What do you think about this? Well, first of all, I want to say that I think that there is a conversation to be had around the ethic ethics of releasing uh, set photos or taking set photos sure. and putting yeah. them out there on the internet. Sure. And I know that there's a debate about this. You know, some of my friends are like, you should never put set photos on your Twitter. Yeah. Other friends that I have are like, give me, send me all the set photos. Yeah. I want to see them all. I like to see them. I don't personally retweet them. Um, yeah. And I yeah. try not to retweet them. Um, because, you know, I want to respect the filmmaker's vision. Sure. That said, there was a trend for a while that DC had going. Zack Snyder did it with Superman. Um, and there were a few others as well. David Ayer did, did it, with, it as well. Nolan yeah, where, where they preemptively released, they took like a professional shot of the new suit or like the cast or whatever. And they posted it on social media before or the internet back then before it broke loose before the set photos broke loose and so this is just a a a reminder to filmmakers hey you're ultimately in control about how people see your films right. um because you know you can always release a set photo i know that it's easier said than done i know that they're working on tight deadlines i know that they don't always have the actors available to take the photos all of those caveats granted, I think that it's definitely worth taking the extra time to get your actor, get them suited up, take the official photo so that, you know, the photos that come out, people aren't shocked by them. Yeah. Um, all of that said, I think that uh, this looks great. This looks really, really cool. I love the bat cycle. Um, I love... Uh, um, the Batsuit's evolution. Uh, it looks like he's got a new symbol on his chest, right? Yeah. Uh, which looks really cool. I wonder, um, and, just to get your thought about the cowl from what we can see of it. Do you mm -hmm. think it's the Justice League cowl, which was a little bit weird looking for my taste? Or do you mm -hmm. think it's more aligned with the BBS cowl? To me, it looks like it's more aligned with the BBS cowl. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. So it looks like a traditional short-horned Batman cowl. Um, so that that was really cool to see. Um, 
I've got to tell you, Adam, I, I've loved the, even though I haven't loved the depiction as much as I, I would like, I definitely have loved the comic book accurate costumes that we've been getting. Um, even even the tactical, and this looks like another tactical suit. Um, I would I would venture that this is Batman fighting. Um, probably it's it's probably a scene involving member. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a couple other members of the Justice League pop in it here. Wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. Yeah, so um, this looks like Batman teaming with the Justice League, doing a mission with the Justice League, and um, it could even be pre pre time travel. Yeah, yeah, and you know we're not going to get this again. We're not going to get for at least for the next several years. We're not going to actually have a gray and black um, Batman traditional Batman costume. Yeah, um, we're gonna you know of course Michael Keaton's returning. And of course, Michael Keaton should only wear black. I mean, that is yeah. like that's, that's you know, his iconic look. Yeah, that's his iconic look. He needs to wear the all black. Yeah. Um, and um, and then of course, you know, we have Robert Pattinson who uh, is going to be wearing another bat armor suit. Yeah. Um, so you know, um, I just want to say that I really appreciate that that is one thing i will give uh uh director zack snyder credit for is bringing Sweet. us bringing us an iconic batman look and i've got to tell you that warehouse scene i know that some bat fans don't like the whole uh they they think that batman kills too many people in it but i've got to tell you that is to me the most definitive on-screen batman fight of all time it I is just 100% yeah 100% agree with you no question about it I I love the the Affleck the, the, the Affleck Batman suit, the, the BVS one, especially because it is ripped from the comics. Um, I love that one more so than than the more you know armor on top of that, which was the Justice League kind of look. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think his best look is the is the BVS look. Uh, one could argue that that was his strongest performance as the character as well. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I would certainly argue mm -hmm. that. Um, and um, so, yeah, like I said, when you can't, one of the things that Zach got 100% right is the comic accuracy of the costume. And also, like I said, I think when you, when you put into perspective the portrayal that Ben Affleck was going for in BDS, it is accurate to the Frank Miller iteration of Batman. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that should be carried over into, you know, a Justice League setting, or it should be the portrayal of the, the, the first time he and Superman meet is a thing that you could debate. But Affleck's portrayal of that version of Batman was spot on. Yes. And I'm, I, I will be, I'll be completely honest and say that I love Frank Miller. I yeah. I adore Frank Miller's work. I think Frank Miller's uh uh writing is so it, he he is gritty and dark but it's so beautiful and well constructed and just like poetic at the same time. It is so well done. That being said, his characterization of Batman probably was not the best choice for a cinematic universe. 
That being said, at least I, his debut, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that being that being said, in Zach's defense, I think that Zach and Warner Brothers had totally different ideas. Absolutely. And, be, and because Warner Brothers defers to directors, they were kind of trying to have it both ways. They were trying to defer to Zach, while at the same time giving wow. him full creative freedom. Yeah. Or excuse me, while at the same time trying to establish this like multi-film franchise. And Zach was telling a specific kind of story about the DC universe. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I think it was a mess on all ends. Uh, right. And I, th I think that for the story that Zach was trying to tell, the Frank Miller Batman made sense. Sure. Yeah. Like, and I, again, just to, just to echo it, I think, I think, it was, I don't think when he was making Man of Steel, he thought, all right, next I'm going to do BVS and blah. I, I legitimately believe when he and Goyer said in interviews during Man of Steel's, you know, promotion, he goes, next, we'd like to do another, at least one more solo Superman before mm -hmm. any kind of thoughts of team-ups. Mm -hmm. As much as Zach said, well, when we were talking about who would, Batman, who would Superman face off, I mentioned Batman. That I find a little sketchy. I think it was Warner Brothers saying, all right, well, Avengers just made $2 billion. We want that. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. they said to Zach, how do you do that? What's your pitch to do that? He gave them the pitch. At that point, they said, sure, because you put Batman in there, right? It's going to get guaranteed billion, right? That's what they thought. I guarantee you that was one of those. And then when BVS got the reactions, it's got, that's when they started, okay, we're not on board with this iteration of the vision. So I think BVS, unfortunately, or the reception of BVS was the... the the start of the rift between the two parties. Said yeah. That, like I said, for what Zach was trying to do, the Franklin or Batman works. For what Warner Brothers wanted, that Batman should have been on the horizon in about 10 movies time. Yeah. So it's, it's 10 movies too early. You know, like the Flash says, you're too early. Yeah. <laughs> that was too early. I, at least I think for audiences, for the first time seeing these two icons together. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, it's but, but I but I digress. Um, and and Warner Brothers has had that weird versus concept for a while. Oh, yeah, um, they've had a, a desire for that for years. There was there was back in two thousand four. They wanted to do a Batman versus Superman, and yeah. they Andrew actually, they, yeah, Avern, Andrew Kevin Walker wrote the script. It was kind of a sequel to the Shoemaker films, and yeah, well, um, it was Burton Schumacher meets Christopher Reeves, Superman. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, you know, and they cast, I think they, they were talking to Jude Law and Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember all of that. I, I remember the, the, like the whole thing, but, um, you know, coming from that sort of thing, we want Batman versus Superman, you know, at, for me as a comic book fan, it's like, I don't want to see Batman and Superman fight. I want to see Batman and Superman team yeah. up. Yeah, they you know? want Batman versus Superman. I want Batman and Superman. There's a yeah. There's a big, big yeah. difference there. Now, yeah. they can they can have a difference of opinion. Great, mm -hmm. but I don't need to see them attempt to kill each other for ten minutes. Yeah, it's not it's not really. But having said all that, just to go back to your point about set pictures, my stance is once you're filming on the street, like you're asking for open season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We live in an era where you you got a phone, you know, in your in, at all times in your hand. 
Um, so there's nothing you can do to stop that. Where I and I'll I'll try not to retweet it, but if it's really cool, you know the the um, the fan in me, I can't resist. But my policy is that if it's a leak of of footage where there was no or or pictures where there was no outside shooting, mm-hmm. like a couple of days ago, something leaked from a video presentation at a Warner. I think it was. Uh, um, a Warner uh, Warner Media, some kind of event that they had they, for shareholders. They had some a video package or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and screen caps of that leaked. I saw those. I didn't share them because to me, that wasn't filmed outside. That wasn't you know it wasn't open season. Yeah. So that that's kind of my stance. Uh, mm-hmm. But I agree with you. They should go back to getting ahead of it. If you know you're going to film outside. Take a snap of whatever you want to, you, you, you know, whatever you know is going to leak. Um, the other thing that I find interesting, the actual bat cycle, it looks a lot like the bat cycle in Sean Gordon Murphy's Batman White Knight. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, nice little call, call out there. Yeah, it, it totally does. So we, we, we've now had Batman on his bat bike is becoming a, a, a thing that is very recent as of late. We had him in the Dark Knight Rises on the, on the bat pod. We saw Pattinson running around the, or driving around on, a, on a, the, the bat, his bat bike. Yeah. And now Affleck is uh, riding around on, on, on his, uh, you know, uh, his, his bike. So it's kind of becoming more of a thing, and I, and I dig it. Uh, and I we're do still too. Getting, we're still getting a Batmobile with Keaton's beautiful machine. Yeah, um, so I, I, I love, I love the, I love the look of the bat bike. By the way, and yeah. um, I really liked how Snyder kind of took what was popular about the Dark Knight uh, Batmobile and, and really brought the classic Batmobile sort of back, um, like that classic shape. You know, yeah, um, his Batmobile was a meld of the Tumbler meets nineteen eighty nine. That's yeah. I, yeah, yeah, totally. So I I like that aesthetic and um and I yeah. appreciate it and, but I am looking forward to seeing Michael Keaton's Batmobile again. I think that's going to be oh. awesome. I, I I personally I don't need to see a tank anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've had the tank. No more tanks. Uh, yeah. If I want to see a tank, I'll watch the military channel. Uh, but yeah, fun fun fact at my at my work um. Uh, so I work as a creative uh, at a at an ad agency, and we had as a guest speaker Ash Thorpe, who designed the Batmobile for the Batman. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So it was so funny because he opened it up for questions, and I messaged him was like, "Batman, tell us." And he goes, "I cannot say a single thing about Batman, so that's off limits." And I was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> that's that's hilarious. So, that's great. Um, yeah. But and you knew he was going to get the question at some point, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm glad it's back to being a car. Uh, yes, uh, that's a, that's a plus. Yes. Um, but the other bat-related kind of—is there anything else you wanted to say about the pictures before we move on to our next? Topic? No, let's do it. Let's go. So we know that there's a Batgirl film on the horizon for HBO Max. We know uh-huh. that it has 
two directors whose names I can barely pronounce, so I'm not going to try. Mm-hmm. They did Bad Boys for Life, uh, which I found quite enjoyable. Um, and we now have an actress who will wear the cape and cowl of Barbara Gordon. Yeah. And that is in the Heights star, uh, Leslie Grace. So, mm-hmm. Josh, what do you think about this? I think it's terrific uh, casting. Uh, in the Heights is a great movie. I think I've 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 pushed it a couple of times now on a couple of podcasts. I'm disappointed in the Heights didn't take off the way that Warner Brothers thought that it would because yeah. it's a great movie. It's a fun movie. Um, it's a really fun movie musical. Um, all the stars are great in it. Um, I forget the lead actor's name. Anthony Ramos. Yeah, he's going to uh, be the next Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but oh man, DC or Marvel, somebody needs to 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 snatch him up for a role. He's a great leading man, and Leslie Grace is just absolutely lovely in it. Um, not only is she a terrific singer and dancer, she's a great actress. She just brings so much energy and vulnerability and honesty to the role and it's great um she's really 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 talented and i think the awesome thing about her is that she often has red hair and um one of the things that um i think barbara gordon more than others needs to have red hair (laughs) i would prefer it if she did yeah yeah (laughs) Um, that's such an iconic part of that character, you know? Um, so it would be, it would be a crime, I think, for her not to, not to have red locks for the film. But, um, but yeah, she, um, she's a really, really good actress. Warner Brothers made a great choice. She's obviously in the family already because she did In the Heights. And, um, you know, I think that she's going to be an awesome awesome Batgirl. Agreed. Yeah, I, um, I'm, uh, what, what, what attracts me to this casting is her reaction afterwards, her genuine happiness and enthusiasm. I love when I see that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that just, it's like, yes, I'm sure the pay increase is going to be nice for her, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's not just about that. Yeah. You know, for and you can tell by the way she posts. Like, you know, she posted a, a clip of one of the early suiting up scenes from of Batgirl in Batman the Animated Series. And on the bottom, on her Instagram feed, she wrote, uh, "So honored and proud uh, uh, to be your Batgirl. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it my all." And yeah. I just, I, again, I just thought, you know. That just I'm like you know they're gonna they're gonna put in the best performance they possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's all you can really ask for. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all that they can control. That's all the actor or actress can control. Uh, the rest is up to the script and what the director specifically wants. I'm confident in the script because Christina Christina Hodson, uh, she wrote the best Transformers film I've ever seen in Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Um, I like most of Birds of Prey. A couple of characters I found a little bit off, but for the most part. It's a competently written film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who had the smart idea to write the, fly, the Batman, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman in the Flash. So mm-hmm. she, she's got extra points from me. So I'm not concerned in terms of the script aspect. Um, 
Yeah, this is going to be her fourth DCEU film. Yeah, I, is... I think she, I think they like her over there. So if they, if there's ever anything else they want to get her for, maybe uh, you know, Birds of Prey versus the Gotham City Sirens. Well, you know, you know, they've been throwing around, and this idea has been going around on Twitter. Now that you have Batgirl, they need to do, um, they need to do Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Uh, and- especially because, especially because I don't know if you saw this. I can't remember what publication published it, but um, Birds of Prey over the last year has been one of the highest like performers for HBO Max. Oh wow! I didn't see that. Yeah, so that's really great news. So with that in mind. You know, Journey Smollett Bell actually congratulated um, Leslie Grace. Yeah. We know she wants to play Black Canary again. Oh, and she should. She's free because her other show uh, did not get renewed. Which is we a thought, shame. It, it is, good. but it, but but I say as DC fans, we should get reap the benefits of that and have her. You know, even if they do it for HBO Max, I don't care where you do it, just do it. Um, yeah. Um, so. I yeah. loved, I loved, sorry, this is just an aside on that note. There was a comic book series. I don't know if you remember. It was by Brendan Fletcher, I think. Fleischer yeah. or Fletcher. Yeah. And it was Black Canary, but it was Black Canary as the lead singer of a rock band by oh, night that, yeah. and by and superhero by later at night. Yes. It was such a cool series. It was. And they should adapt that as a miniseries for Journey Smollett as yeah. as would be a great vehicle for her. She can actually sing and Absolutely, it would yeah. it would just they could release an album with it too. I you mean know? her and Leslie Grace, can you imagine them doing a do it do it for the soundtrack? I'd, I'd, oh I'd, yeah. I'd, yeah, no, um, that would be really cool. But yeah, no, I agree. But so two questions regarding the background aspect of it. Mm-hmm. My first question is the Gordon of it all, the Jim Gordon of it all. Mm. There seems to be this hang-up with a lot of people online that, well, the casting description calls for a 55-year-old. This has to be its own thing because the DCEU or Gordon cannot be 55 if Michael Keaton's Batman is 69. Mm -hmm. And Here's my solution, and I want to get your thoughts on it. If if the worlds get merged, mm-hmm. or and some you know alterations happen, just because Michael Keaton is is the there's two situations. Either Michael Keaton's Batman is the one from '89, and so is Gordon. But the, the difference being, the events of Batman '89 do not play out exactly as they did in the actual 1989 movie. Mm-hmm. So what I'm proposing that let's pretend that Jim Gordon is the same, whoever they cast, is the same Batman. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference: in Batman '89 proper, the actual movie, Gordon was older than Bruce Wayne Batman. What I'm proposing in this altered scenario, Gordon was. 22 to 25, either a detective or a beat cop, when Batman began his career. So mm-hmm. that accounts for the age difference. Because if ba- if Bruce was 35, you know, 30 years later, he's 30 plus years later, he'd be 69. Mm-hmm. And then, so if Gordon was 22 to 25, 30 years later, you could have that 55 age range and make it work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or 
in this reworked universe that the Flash creates, uh, he is transplanted here and stuck here. There's a recast Gordon. They just never met Gordon. In the, we, ne- we just never saw him in the events of Justice League. Yeah. And that explains it. Like, it's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's not, at least in my opinion, it's not any more confusing than the entire X-Men movie continuity. So yeah. I don't see a problem. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I just want to say, first of all, that, um, you know, this whole idea that you have to have the same actor play the same the the same role because this and this arbitrary reason um does not that that's not that that's irrelevant it's irrelevant it's irrelevant what happened in previous movies um that look uh technically speaking maybe not anymore maybe who knows i mean i don't know what's gonna happen with the flash but technically speaking Batman Forever is in the same continuity as Batman and Batman Returns. Yeah, and as of Bat- right now, yeah. And Batman is played by a different actor. Yeah. So this used to happen all the time. Yeah. And it's until very recently. I mean, let's not forget when they launched the MCU in 2009, in 2008, Edward Norton was Bruce Banner slash yeah. the Hulk. And... That didn't work out. <laughs> so they brought Mark, but they didn't want to just abandon the Hulk because right. Edward Norton was gonna wasn't gonna work out. The Hulk was a huge part of their plans. So they put um, Mark Ruffalo in the role. Yeah. And arguably Mark Ruffalo has been a huge win for the MCU. And he's gonna be he's co-starring in She-Hulk. Right, yeah. So everyone getting you know, hung up on oh, casting geez. and yeah. all this sort of thing. Just calm down. It's all good. You're going to survive. It's a fictional film. Just sit back and enjoy. It could be, it could be as simple as a line of dialogue between the two characters. Yeah. Or they just don't mention it. And, oh, this is the first time we're seeing Gordon. Got it. Yep. Yeah. And before the plans with Keaton were revealed, um, that was kind of my preferred, and before we knew that uh, the Batman was its own thing, yeah. um, that was kind of my preferred method for Robert Pattinson. It's like, no, just have him star alongside Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill and Jason Momoa. Yeah. Just say he's Batman. Yeah. And just say he's Batman. You don't have to give a big explanation. And if they would have done that, they would have given him a suit similar to Affleck's. Yeah. Call yeah. it a day and, and who, and big deal. Yeah. Like I've always said if the movie is good, the audience will go along with a mishmash continuity. Yeah. See yeah. Deadpool, you know. Yeah. Um, so I again yeah, I don't get I don't get hung up on that. Uh, and I do I know some people aren't sure if Keaton is going to be up here. I think he is. And the reason yeah. I think he is is because A it was mentioned in the Hollywood Reporter that Batgirl would be one of the projects that he'd continue in. Mm-hmm. Could be. Mm-hmm. It's written by Christina Hodgson, who wrote The Flash. Ergo, mm-hmm. one plus one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are the three. Those are the three uh, scenarios that I'm that I'm banking on. If it turns out I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll still enjoy the movie, but I don't think I am. 
Uh, and people that's... and people have been teasing the um, Batman Beyond sort of concept yeah. for Batman. What they mean by Batman Beyond is not that it's going to be in the future. What they mean is an older Batman is mentoring a individual to be the bat person in the field. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what that's what the Batman Beyond. So I know some people are going to hear Batman Beyond and they're going to be saying, "Oh, it's going to be future set. It's more confusing." No, no, just just the concept of him, an older version of him training a new protege. It's simple. Yeah. Let's yeah. not complicate anything further. It's and I think we'll see we'll see we'll see the Keaton version of Batman less and less in the field and more and more oh, yeah. in the chair as absolutely. time goes on, out of necessity because Michael Keaton is sixty nine years old. He's turning seventy this year, uh, you know, and they're gonna have him in these movies for six plus years, you know. Yeah. So he he's not, he's not gonna not be gonna, able to yeah. to suit up. For much longer, it's unless they do unless they do a scenario where he does have to get in the field, but it'll be a, a Robert Downey Jr. thing where he's wearing the pajamas, it'll yeah. all be CGI, and then yeah, and then afterwards, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but my last question regarding Batgirl, mm-hmm. because they cast her so relatively quickly, mm-hmm. do you think part of the plan was to try and shoot some kind of cameo for like a, a scene in the Flash or an end tag in the Flash? Because now you got to remember with Zoom, they don't necessarily need her like with the way Zack Snyder shot the Flash. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily need her to be present in London. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, maybe I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility for her to go to London. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know. I know that COVID is raging out of control, but uh, hey, if she's fully vaccinated and yeah. you know and all that, I don't think that that's. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's outside of the right. the. But but you're right. She could go down to Warner Brothers, and they yeah. could get a soundstage with a green screen ready and have her film a cameo. Um, I think it's quite impressive that literally their screen. They're screen testing actresses, and the trades released that news. And then, literally twenty four hours later, yeah, Leslie Grace gets the role. I'm assuming that they had it selected already. Oh yeah, yeah. The trades I, were just late to the game. Yeah, yep. And that's a possibility because, yeah, I mean, Umberto. Either that or she really knocked out that screen test. <laughs> well, I think that's probably part of it too. Is right, she yeah. she knocked them out of the park, and I'm not surprised. Um. But yeah, I I'm really looking forward to her. I think it's great that she's a Latina actress. Uh, um, I I think it's great. It's so funny, and, and and the cool thing about that is she can actually sort of be a Latina in Gotham because um, uh, you know she's from Earth. I think it's yeah. very funny that everybody's commenting. I mean, it's great that they cast a Latina actress as Supergirl. But Supergirl isn't is so funny because fanboys were mad and it's like you guys do realize she's Kryptonian, right? She's, so she's an not, alien, yeah. <laughs> she's not actually like gonna be Latina. She's gonna be from Krypton. Like that's yeah. her. Yeah. You know. Like... And even if she were, would it, it, it you know, it's not it's it's I, I'm sure they have different different races on Krypton. It's not one homogenous, you know people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I'm um, I'm really looking forward to looking forward to that. I think it's great that they're bringing diversity to the DCEU. Um, I think it's great that they're doing films that are uh, focused on um, uh, uh, female characters. Uh, I'm looking forward to Z- Zatanna. Um, I, I I really hope Emerald Fennel uh, directs it. Um, and I'm that also would make looking. A lot of sense. Yep, and I'm also looking forward to looking forward to the Michael B. Jordan produced Valzad series. Uh, as am I. That was a welcome. That was a welcome surprise when it was announced. Yeah. Uh, but trades have since picked that up. Hollywood Reporter picked it up indeed. And so I don't know what that means for the JJ produced movie, whether one is going to replace the other or there's both on the table. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But it seems to me that fans have really responded to the idea of Michael B. Jordan as Valzad. I yeah. think it's that's his, just on the face value, that's as ingenious a casting as Christopher Reeve as Superman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I can't wait for that. But also, just on the before we leave the Keaton and Bat Family live action aspect to go to the animation. What I like about this HBO Max angle is having Keaton as the older Batman, the mentor. I think it really puts back on the table also a Nightwing film. Yes, absolutely. Which, if we had kept with the Snyderverse you know, as it was intended to go, or as Snyder intended it to go, a Nightwing film would be highly unlikely, which is, I suspect, why, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy who directed Lego Batman that was supposed to do Nightwing. Oh, the Chris, reason, Chris, McKay. Chris McKay. yeah. The reason why I think his film got stalled was because, well, Nightwing's dead in this universe. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you know? that's that's such a lame decision by Zack Snyder. Um, yeah. Dick Grayson is uh, Dick Grayson is frankly the heart and soul of the DC of the DC universe. Right. And, so, and Keaton doesn't necessarily have to appear, you know, in a big role. But the idea that he's been around long enough that Dick Grayson has gone on his own mm-hmm. and has now created a separate identity for himself, the possibility is definitely there. Yeah, and I think if they do it, they ought to make Dick. Uh, they ought to put make Dick in his thirties. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, and that's kind of the Nightwing, the pre New Fifty Two Nightwing. Yeah, that yeah. was sort of he was in his early thirties, yeah. late twenties, early thirties, and and uh, was Robin years ago. And I think that would be a really interesting angle. You could even do it with de aging technology. You could even do flashbacks. Yeah, so could see a Batman and Robin, a Burton Batman and Robin, which would be really oh, absolutely, yeah, and and, yeah. and they could even cast it with with Burton. Well, now they're not going to get um, what is it, Martin Wayne's, obviously, yeah. because he's yeah, but but they could cast a person of color and yeah. keep it in tradition with you know the the early idea that Burton had because the comic is going to do that. So why not? Well, well, but my excitement is the fact that we're getting Batgirl. There's a possibility that Nightwing is back on the table. Mm-hmm. It opens up the door to the Bat Family. Whereas mm-hmm. with Pattinson's the chances of getting Bad Family outside of a younger Robin, highly unlikely. So yeah, I I kind of get the sense that the Pattinson uh, Batman world is going to be kind of like a, a, a three film thing. Probably. And yeah. and and between those three films, we'll get sort of spinoff series. You know, the yeah. GCPD, the rumored Zoe Kravitz Catwoman show. Which I'll take no problem. Yeah. Yeah, um, 
like that sort of stuff. But I don't think that that's a. Yeah, they're a, not going to go into bad family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense with the age range that they're going for for Pattinson's Bruce at this point. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So, th- but this offers them that opportunity, and I like that. So, mm-hmm. I'm we're excited, obviously, for for everything we talked about tonight, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll keep you informed as to more details as we have them here in the network. But for now, it's back to the back cave, back to the animated series. We've got three episodes tonight. So, what are the first two? Because we're treating the first two kind of as one story. Yeah. Is- so the the first two episodes we watched were the Cat and the Claw. Mm. And it's the introduction of Catwoman into the uh, into the uh, DCAU, as it were. Yes. Um, I just got to say right off the bat, no pun intended, I loved the banter and the chemistry between the two characters. Like, it was just spot on from the word goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest with you, because remember, there's a different airing order between how we're watching it and how it initially aired. I think this was like the second and third or, or third and fourth episodes when they, it was early on in the run when they aired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember loving these two episodes when I was younger because, you know, we, I was, we were coming off the heels of watching Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. And yes... You know, she had a different outfit. Obviously, she wasn't all black. There's the gray, gray outfit. But I thought their banter and their chemistry really matched, kind of matched with the movie I had just seen. Mm-hmm. So I remember really loving this episode for that. And and I think it's still, you know, watching it all these years later. They mm-hmm. like they just nailed the characters. The you know the vintage, the classic rooftop chase. Mm-hmm. That's all there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this. So give give me some of your thoughts. Yeah, I love the I love these episodes too for the same reasons. Um, I you know Catwoman is not only one of the best of the uh, Batman. I guess she she's the Bat family really. She's not the Rogues yeah. Gallery anymore. Yeah. Um, Selena Kyle is one of the best characters in the Bat family, mm-hmm. and um, and she um, there's there so if, so if she's portrayed well. Oh, she's not only one of the best characters in the Bat family. She's one of the best characters in the DC universe. Um, I would agree. I think Catwoman is an A-lister. I think it's no mistake that uh, DC felt so confident in the character of Catwoman that they gave. They continually give her her own series as well as um, give um, give um, um, uh, um Oh, sorry. I'm like, I'm, okay. I, <laughs> I lost it a little bit. That they give uh, give her and Batman a series in which they co-star. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. Batman and Catwoman. So, um, yeah, she's a terrific character. So all of that said, if Catwoman is portrayed well and Batman is portrayed well, as he is in this, in this <laughs> uh, series, and their relationship is portrayed well, you're going to get top-tier Batman the Animated Series. And I think that's what we got here. Absolutely. Um, so much so that I think that they uh, override a, a you know, sort of, let's just say there's no um, Red Claw uh, solo series coming out. Um, Absolutely, no. Yeah. Which we, which, you know, we'll, 
I'm alluding to something for the next episode that we discuss. Okay. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so um, so you know, Red Claw's not the most inspiring creation of the Batman the animated no. series. That being said, the Batman Catwoman stuff is so good. It just that that's the point of this episode, and it's and it's done very very well. I love the aspect of her meeting Bruce at like this charity auction where you auction off a date. Mm-hmm. You know, Gotham's most eligible bachelor, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was you know it's Catwoman's whole sort of drive is she's an animal activist, mm-hmm. specifically you know cats and jaguars and, and you know the feline mm-hmm. uh, area of uh, of expertise, and I think I like that origin for her, uh, mm-hmm. like an activist of that nature, as opposed to. You know, as much as I love Michelle Pfeiffer in the Burton version, you can't put that in a cartoon where she's getting, you know, chewed back to life by cats. And she was a secretary. Like, I like that they beefed up the the uh, the portrayal. And I think what they were trying to do when they gave her that activist aspect was show that she's not an outright criminal. Yeah. There is good in her. Um, so I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think that's, that's a really interesting point, Adam, because, you know, up until this point, Catwoman was sort of, sort of had like more of a villainous history Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Batman, the animated series and, and, you know, the Burton film sort of alluded to this. But Batman the Animated Series was kind of, this is, in this one, she's outright an anti-hero. She's a thief. She's not necessarily super villainous. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that they sort of do this portrayal in Batman the Animated Series. And this is around the time in the comics where they're starting to shift her character. They're starting to give her her own solo series, et cetera, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, Selina is kind of changing and she becomes a great and now i mean obviously she's i mean selena kyle was in the justice league of america i have yeah. you know she i mean she, she, i would still classify her as an anti-hero though like she'll of course yeah. she'll go the extra mile to to get what she needs to get what she wants right where yeah. so there's still that aspect of her yeah, yeah i i think um I would classify her as an anti-hero, but I would classify her as an anti-hero in a different respect to Batman. I think Batman has very thick moral lines that he won't cross, so he's not going to work with a supervillain. Sure. Whereas, like, I think the Tom King Batman Catwoman series portrays it really well, where it goes back into the past, and Catwoman makes an alliance with the Joker. Um, And it's like... Whoa, and it's like, look, she's willing to cross that line, but she wants the same thing as Bruce. They both want the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just she's willing to kind of cross more lines. And it's and it's why the relationship with her and Bruce is is fraught is so fraught. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So no, I uh, I really uh, enjoyed that angle with the character. And I loved Bruce, kind of like as Bruce Wayne, like he was totally smitten with Selena Kyle, and he's like, "Oh yeah." For the first time, you see him out of his element. Uh, you know, we we were not used to seeing him like that. 
Um, and uh, I really like again the voice work by both both performers was great. Really added. I mean that sold the the animation. You know, was great. But the the voice acting and the and the, the you know the 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 kind of cheeky banter between them really sold the chemistry and both were great. I think it was great. Delisle that did the voices. Of Catwoman of Selena yeah. Kyle. Um, let me find out for you here really quick. Selena I could be wrong, but I think I. Kyle. Let me find out. Uh... All right. So Catwoman was portrayed by um, Adrienne Barbell. Okay, then I was wrong. Yeah, Barbeau. Well, I thought, yeah. Adrian oh, Barbeau. Oh, that's right, from the Swamp Thing movies. That's right, mm-hmm. you know, the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. The original Swamp Thing show, that's correct. Sorry. My mistake. I think Great Delio played her in another Batman animated series. I could be either the Batman or Batman Brave and the Bull. I'm not sure, but I'm getting my I'm getting my Batman shows mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so, do we want to take it from there and segue right into, the, you know, the, the, the Red Claw aspect of it? Or do we want to rate the first part, and then how do you want we, to do it? We can talk about Red Claw really quick. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just rate them together as one big story. Yeah, yeah. So I I thought that Red Claw was a sort of early 90s generic. Look, this was probably written. Animation takes a long time, right? Yeah. So this was probably written before the end of the Cold War. <laughs> That's... I feel oh. like they were they were trying to sort of play up yeah. on that yeah, Cold yeah. War villain sort of thing. All Russian kind of yeah. Yeah, and she she uh, you know sort of felt dated in that respect. Um, sure. The other thing too about this this series is they talk a lot about it's early, it's it's kind of early '90s feminism, um, but like kind of early 90s misogyny so it's 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 a very weird like yeah it's a weird thing like batman remarks like a cat cat burglar in gotham is a woman and then and then another time red claw um she comments that red claw is a woman and red claw makes some sort of comment because i'm a woman it's like okay we get it Catwoman's a woman red claw's a woman like we get it (laughs) And then you I know? like Batman when he's like, no, I'm because he's like, yo, you're not going to take me in. He goes, oh, no, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity crime fighter. It's like, yeah. right. You guys exactly. are really hitting hard on this thing. I know. It's just like so all, all of those aspects. I think to me, those are the two weakest aspects. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And granted, you know, even judging it for its time, it's kind of like, okay, like, there's something to be said of just showing uh, a woman being like being a badass, yeah. you know? And so for me, that was kind of like, a, eh. but you know, I would I, agree I, the Batman Catwoman stuff is so good. And I think that the general plot is really good. I think yeah, that's I think that, you know, Selena wanting to save these animals and Batman wanting to do it. And then they're being, a more nefarious plot behind it all that Batman has to stop. I think I think that all works for me. 
And I do so. like the scene where he, when he finds out that Selena is Catwoman, mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, he goes back to her apartment and, you know, she's trying to, you know, kind of flirt with him and then he, she thinks he's going to lean in for a kiss or whatever and he slaps the handcuff. Or I think it was in the street. I'm not sure. It was or in her alley. apartment. Yeah, okay, so yeah. And he slaps the handcuffs on her. That was, again, a total nod to the Adam West Batman series when he did that. Yeah. And that just made me smile. So, uh, yeah, there were a lot of winks and nods. She says perfect early on in the yeah, in the yeah. series and kind of yeah. extends the R. She doesn't do the, the R, but she does the like extends yeah. the R a little bit to kind of. Yeah, she does it enough that you know it's a nod, but it's not a total ripoff of what they had done. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I do have to say, and I know we're dwelling a lot on this episode, but I feel like the debut of Catwoman's a pretty big deal. Yeah, so. it, definitely, it definitely is for sure. Um, but she, I think she, um, um, I think I like. You know, there's a lot of different origins of Catwoman, and you know, sometimes she's um, she's a cat burglar. Um, sometimes she's, uh, uh, a prostitute, like was heavily hinted at in, yeah, Frank Miller. <laughs> in Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Sometimes she's just, uh, a, uh, girl for a woman with a troubled background as a girl, like she was in the Dark Knight Rises. And I really like Selena Kyle's sort of, sort of role in society. She's a socialite who's rich because she's a cat burglar and i yeah. think that that's that's kind of a i i like that i really really yeah. like that i, I did Absolutely. i did enjoy that yeah absolutely i agree um so is there anything else you want to highlight or you, you want to go ahead no. and these episodes I, I think we're ready to rate this episode all right go ahead so part one and two the cat and the claw what, what did you think overall uh i i would give these two episodes a four and a half out of five um i think that there's Definitely some some weak spots, but I think the debut of Catwoman and Batman is just really strong, and I think the the writers and team just knocked it right out of the park with these. Yes, yeah. I'm gonna agree with you 100. percent Four and a half out of five. The, 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 like you said, there were a little bit of inconsistency with certain things, but the dynamic between the two characters and the chemistry, it just they leaped off the comic book pages and. and it was perfect. So I think that um, you uh, there's no there's nothing else to egregiously take off any points. So near perfect. Yeah. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna extend the R's because I can't do that as well. Yeah. As <laughs> near yeah. perfect. Uh-huh. So next up, we're switching gears to the Joker's favor, right? Yes. So give us a little bit of background into this episode. What's what's going on in this episode? Sure. So in this episode, an insurance salesman uh, has a run-in with the Joker and uh, 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 curses at him in traffic and realizes it's the Joker and tries to escape. The Joker catches him, but uh, he agrees to let him live if uh, the insurance salesman will grant him a favor. And two years later... The Joker decides to cash in, and um, so he uh, starts. He he does his favor, and um, this episode is notable because it's the first episode that Harley Quinn is in. The of course, probably the most famous creation of this um, 
Batman the Animated Series. And what I was referring to earlier when I said nobody's getting original, like their Red Claws, Red Claws not getting her own comic book series. Well, in this episode, the original creation from Batman the Animated Series is one of the most popular uh, characters in the DC Universe now. In fact, when you go to Warner Brothers and you go and park, there is a photo of um, uh, Michael Keaton's uh, Batman, Christopher Reeve's Superman, uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. And I know that that billboard pissed a lot of people off, which makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous, but I digress. Um, you know what's funny is I forgot about this episode. Like, I, I didn't have, like, on the spot. You know, you know when you start, like, when I watch Cat in the Claw, mm-hmm. within three minutes, I'm like, I remember this. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. With this one, I, I, had, I had forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think there's something about, like, the Joker doesn't even have to do anything. But when you see that he's the one you've been flipping off in the car next to you, instantly that puts, like, the fear of God. It's like, oh, crap, what have I done? Yeah. Um, and then I thought it was even more menacing that the Joker toyed with this guy for two years and let him stew, wondering, am I going to get the call? Am I going to get the call? I mean, like, that's even more torturous for the guy. Because it's mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. Is this guy? Did he forget? Is he gonna call me? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think call- it. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Oh, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I I think that it really highlights this episode. Really highlights the cruelty of the Joker and how um, cruel he is, and how much of a joke it is that he's basically stalking this guy, torturing him, yeah. making him sweat. Uh, over, you know, him having to hurt somebody. Um, and I think that it highlighted it really well. You know what I was thinking the whole time, Adam? I was actually thinking about this. And, you know, they made the Todd Phillips Joker movie. Yeah. Which was an origin, which I never cared for as a concept. Um, yeah. I thought it was a well-executed film, though. Sure, yeah. Um, but I just didn't care for the concept, the idea of giving Joker an origin. Sure. Um, what's interesting, though, is that I actually think this would be a really great concept for a Joker movie. Um, taking an everyday person and showing the effect that the Joker has on that everyday person. Yeah. I think that that is a really interesting concept, and I liked it. I think that I liked this episode. I would have enjoyed this episode as a kid, because it's got Batman in it, it's got the Joker in it, it's got, you know... Uh, it's, it's, Harley. It, they, they, the debut of Harley it's got all those sort of things in it um, but I think that I enjoyed it on another level as an adult um, and I really liked that idea of the Joker just really messing with somebody and it kind of showed the depth of his evil in a really sophisticated way for a children's cartoon, yeah. which I was which I was really impressed with. Like a lot of people always think of Joker as this crazy, unpredictable, but that takes planning. That takes you know, it takes some mental wherewithal, skill to know how to mess with this guy and and, and when to make the call and, and you know how to push his buttons, right? And yeah. So, 
the Joker's crazy, but he's not, you know. Well, he's a he's he's sociopathic and psychopathic. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think that this, in a funny way, it's a children's show, but they portray that really well. It's like you think, oh my god, this guy's a lunatic, you know, this poor man that he's torturing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that he didn't know what he was going to ask him to do. Like the whole thing is, is he going to make me kill somebody? We're like, what's he going to make me do? And the Joker's thing, I just need you to hold open the door. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Conveniently, he didn't tell them when you do, you're going to be stuck to the said door. But, you know, on face value, he's like, all I have to do is open the door. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to let you go. He didn't say where he was going to end up being going, <laughs> you know, to his death. But it's just, it's just further, like, the, the simplicity of it all. Yeah. It's further messing with the mind. And way to I, I also didn't like. It was also really, it kind of, it highlights how big of a threat the Joker is to Gotham City, that he was able to trap all of the top officers in the Gotham Police Department. Yeah, yeah. And almost kill them, almost murder all of them. Blow them to smithereens, yeah. Yeah, so. And it's it's a classic bomb threat. It's nothing, you know, the plot isn't anything overly, overly crazy. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm going to plant that, you know. And so, I, 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 what did you think of the fact that it was um, Hardy's first appearance, but we didn't really get an origin for him? Yeah, I think that it was, I, I don't know if, I was just going to ask this at you this. Am I, is this something that I'm like making up? Or did Paul Dini say that, it, like, Harley wasn't really supposed to be a long-term character. She That's just, correct. Yeah. yeah, she was supposed to be a one-off kind of character in this in this episode. Yeah. And then she proved to be so popular, the writers loved her so much, they brought her back for other Joker sort of centric episodes. Yeah, um, yeah because she doesn't, you, in the episode, she doesn't mention anything about being a former psychiatrist and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. None of that is in there. I, I think that Harley is, I can see why she is a compelling character. Um, this is someone who is helping the Joker and, and the, and she's so well played by the voice actress. I think it's Arlene Sorkin who plays yes. her. Yeah. She's so well played by Arlene Sorkin. She's kind of the Joker's assistant, yeah. but, but she stands she, from this first episode. She sort of, stands on her own and i was thinking the whole time watching this my god marco robbie is so good as harley like she is capturing i can see marco robbie's performance in this episode like i can see where marco got the influence for harley in this episode so right right out the gate harley is a great character I'm so glad the writers had the exact right instinct to bring her back and flesh out her character a little bit more. It is very evident that they didn't have uh, a uh, plan. I mean, now they can pass it off as Harley Harley quips, you know. But um, yeah. but she has that quip at the end at the end where she says, "Beauty school's looking really good right now," you know, yeah. after she's been arrested. So right, right. they they obviously hadn't thought through her origin or anything at this point yet. Right, but right, right. 
I do think that it is a really strong debut for Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, and, and I can, and I can see where like Margot's getting her performance from. Absolutely. Um, from this episode, what what did you think of Harley Quinn? She was a fun, uh, fun, crazy character, but mm-hmm. and uh, like she brought the levity to a situation where, because when you're watching, you're realizing he's gonna blow these cops to smithereens. Mm-hmm. So to take some of that, and even for a kids' cartoon, if at a certain age group, if you put that together, it could be quite, you know, a little bit too, too, you know, on the nose and, and realistic. Like even like thinking, because think about it nowadays, you turn on the TV and how many times do we, we hear about a bomb threat? This and that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not as out of the ordinary as it used to be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I think having that Harley character brings the le- uh, uh, the levity and also brings things back down to be like, okay, let's remember where we are here. Um, but again, I like that she was very, like you said, she didn't seem like she was going to be this subservient, you know, uh, person to him. Like she had her own agency and, and you can see that right off the bat. Um, but that personality that the character has, and that's part of, you know, Arlene Sorkin kind of helped formulating that. You can't help but but like want the kid, like cheer for the character and want more from the character after you see that performance. Uh, yeah, I'm mentioning them not bringing back Harley and thinking to myself, oh man, they're probably like, I would, people would probably be like, where's that Jester character? You know, where's that, um, where is that character? But she's, She's so great, and I'm so glad that Harley, you know, and they've taken, like, obviously, you know, comic book writers, um, Amanda Connor and Jimmy, I forget her husband's, how to say her husband. Yeah, Jimmy Pamiotti. They've, they've like, taken Paul Dini's creation and and given it another layer of of life. And then, of course, the DCEU and everything that... um, uh, uh, Margot Robbie's doing with the character. I loved in Birds of Prey how they incorporated the fact that she's a psychologist and she like diagnoses every but like all the other supervillains. Yeah, that's I think, pretty cool. I think that's like a really great aspect of the character. I hope that I can't wait to see what James Gunn does with her because oh. James Gunn has said that Harley Quinn is one of his favorite comic book characters ever. I, I, I'm just gonna say this real quick. I have no doubt, Harley, Harley, I even call her Harley now, Margot mm-hmm. said that she's she, she's taking a little bit of a break and she's not sure when she'll next play Harley. Even though while she says that, I don't think that break is going to be too long. No, no. I think I'm just, I'm willing to put money, for now Monopoly money, but money, on the fact that I think after the Peacemaker series, DC is going to announce that James Gunn and, Har- and Margot, again, I almost did again. She's just so synonymous with the damn character. <laughs> yeah. They're going to announce that James Gunn and Margot Robbie are working together on a Harley HBO Max project. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I would love to see a, a live action. <laughs> you know, I was think Harley is such a zany character. I mean, such, such like a crazy character. An idea that I've had for a long time is because the another thing 
that another Harley related property that's come out lately is the HBO Max animated series. Oh, it's great, yeah. Which is so well done and excellent. And Kaylee Cuoco is on fire right now. She's yes. she's like nominated for Emmys. She just did the flight attendant, which was super popular. Yes. I think you could do a Harley versus Harley movie with the multiverse where the Kaylee Cuoco version transports into the DCEU and they work together. Margot Even Robbie as a cartoon or you mean Kaylee No, Cuoco? I think have Kaylee Cuoco pay, play her in live action. Like have her start as a cartoon, but yeah. have her transport to the DCEU and have her be live action. And, and imagine have, James Gunn at the head of that. I think that oh would be... Oh my gosh, I'm like smiling because of how good that would be. It would be amazing. When, when I post this episode, I'm tagging James Gunn in it. Say, yeah. Listen to our idea at that one hour mark and then make it happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that would be so fun if they if they had to stop the Joker or something like that. Oh, you know? Yeah. And then which Joker? <laughs> well, I think after the Flash, we're gonna get a new DCU Joker. I think that's one of the things that's gonna change because I, I frankly think that uh, I agree with you, but man, it's gonna be so hard to to, to Michael Keaton's Batman with. Another new, Joker. It's going to be a little weird. Well, we don't necessarily have to see him with the Joker, uh, but yeah. I think Joker is such a important antagonist to Batgirl. I think he's such he's that's true. Yeah, he's that's he's, true. he's linked to Harley Quinn. They're not going to get rid of Margot Robbie. They're they're oh, just no. Not. They'll give her her break, but yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't think she's done. I don't. I, her saying break, I think what it means is because she went right from. Birds of Prey into Suicide Squad. Here's an idea. Here's an idea for the plot of the Harley Quinn uh, live-action HBO Max series. Maybe when the Flash happens, the universe like uh, gets gets jumbled, and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is displaced because of the changes, and right. she enlists the help somehow, and and everything's jumbled. So the Cartoon Harley Quinn um, uh, gets displaced too, and basically they work together to try to get back to their respective universes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they end up back in their universes. That would be a blast. I, so, I, Har so Harley is kind of like uh, breaking the fourth wall. Like I was a part of the old uh, DCEU kind of thing, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Make that as like a five or six episode thing and just. Oh. It's got money written all over it. Just do they, it. They could call it Harley and Harley Save the Universe or something like that. Yeah. 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 Whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like this idea. This is a good idea, Josh. Well, well, well put. I like it. I, I say, come on, James Gunn. Get, make it happen. Yes, uh, James. Steal my idea and do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's a great idea. But, um, yeah, so clearly this episode and Harley's portrayal in it has really had a long-term effect on DC in terms of all arenas, publishing, animation, live-action film. It's really She's really touched all corners of the DC universe. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that shows the, uh, the strength of the character. Mm -hmm. um, but unless you have anything else to say about the episode, we can go ahead and rate it. No, I think I, the, the one last thing I would say is that we got more Dick Sprang kind of inspired stuff in this, which I just wanted to note I enjoyed. 
um, you know, them going into the the tomb exhibit um, and all the sort of big props and the like the crazy set pieces and all of that. I think I love when they do stuff like that in this show. It's oh, it's so when you well made that when 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 the uh, the insurance salesman made that uh, makeshift bat signal. Yeah. Yeah, you think because you know the episodes aired out of like all over the place in terms uh-huh. of different uh-huh. order than what we're watching it. So, do you think that this episode predates the bat signal? No, because I don't think so. Because I feel like the episode where the bat signal debuted that we watched it's, earlier it's this, yeah. feels earlier than this. Okay, all right. So, but yeah, the reason I, think, I had that thought was because of the way Batman looked at it. Yeah, Bruce looked. It's like. He got an idea, like for mm-hmm. future. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it is. I'm, I'm not sure, but well, we'll check the order and we'll have an answer next week. But, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right. So, what's your rating out of five for this episode? Um, for me, because of just the way it portrays the Joker, um, Mark Hamill turning in another phenomenal performance. Um, Kevin Conroy's just presence as Batman, even though he this is not a Batman-centric episode, actually. Yeah. It's more of a Joker-centric episode. Um, and but Kevin Conroy just delivers as as Batman slash Bruce. Um, I loved the idea of Joker torturing a guy. And of course, we have Harley Quinn who just makes such a strong debut here. Adam, I think I'm going to have to give this episode a five out of five. It's I, I can't really think of anything that's wrong with this episode. To me, it's just absolutely terrific. Yeah, I, I think it's top tier, and I'm going to give it a five as well. I was engaged with every single aspect of the plot. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you hit on all those levels, no, nothing bothered me. Nothing felt out of place. It's just this is one of those times, and there are still many to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman the Animated Series at its best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a much d- different uh, episode this was compared to the last two that we <laughs> yeah. reviewed. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Definitely. Well, well, welcome change. And let's hope that we have uh, many more in this direction, which we know we do, because there weren't, there weren't that many duds in the history of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, so. Adam, next time we're going to be reviewing The Mechanic and The Forgotten, two the episodes. Ah, yeah, so we're tapping into the DCU strategy, EU strategy mm-hmm. with The Batman and The Suicide Squad. Yeah. And technically, The Flash, so it's a theme. The it's Flash. A, it's a theme in 2021, 2022. If they make another Justice League, it'll probably be called The Justice League. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, <laughs> my question is, oh, sure, and is James Gunn possibly directing that? I would love James Gunn to direct Justice League 2. Uh, I think if James Gunn directs Justice League 2, um, Justin um, Kalowski put it uh, um, today, said if James Gunn were to direct it, it would probably be called Justice League of America because he yeah. likes that sort of, that yeah. like Bronze Age, Bronzy yeah. Age kind of like thing. And I think that that's accurate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they do a JLA. Yeah, and uh, I think, and I think, just I don't know what he's going to do. Well, the Harley thing is a, is a, not our thing, but a Harley thing is probably a sure bet. But I think once he's finished with the Guardians, I think he's going to have more prominence, even more in, in DC. Oh yeah, he's he is. I I don't think that 
he he is hinted that Guardians. Yeah, is yeah he's awesome. put certain emojis where he's like, because somebody's asked him Beyond Suicide Squad, are you are you sticking around at DCU? And mm-hmm. he's like, well, there's Peacemaker, and then after that we'll see. And he put the emo- the emoji with the with mm-hmm. the you know scratching mm-hmm. your chin, thinking. Yeah, thinking. and I I think that he he's gonna have. Even while he's doing Guardians, I think that he's going to have his fingers in DC. Oh yeah, something's going to be enough. Especially because there's there were rumors that James Gunn is kind of going to be a one of the people that they they look to to consult in the DC yeah. universe, yeah. and I think that that's smart. I, you can't have too many intelligent people in the room. You can have a lot of idiots, and it goes wrong, but. <laughs> intelligence the more you can get of it in the room and know how the better it is yeah but we will be back of course as uh, as you said with those episodes josh but until next time um yeah uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, uh this episode and the and us covering these episodes uh, we'll be back uh next time and we'll bring you whatever news uh, uh, comes up between now and then along with our episode reviews so please uh, like subscribe to the YouTube channel and if you want to follow us on social media Josh where do they track you down you can follow me at Josh loves this um, and uh, I do kind of have a show <laughs> um, I haven't really I've I got promoted at work so hmm. I've been kind of like Busy. in the process bit really busy at the moment so i haven't really you know i've been kind of doing this in guest spots and sure. that but my own show's kind of suffered so um but i am gonna get back into it i am going to start doing that again um quite possibly with a recap of the marvel cinematic universe tv shows so that will be interesting good idea um but yeah so uh look out for that um I do have an episode in the can that I'm going to release as well. Nice. Recorded months ago. <laughs> I feel so bad. It's okay. But it is what it is. Um, it so, happens sometimes. I've been through it, yeah. so I get it. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Awesome. And then for me, it's at Adam underscore Leesfan on Twitter. We have the at MMNPDC uh, podcast channel Twitter. And we have the Facebook group, which the link will be in the description below. Click it. Ask for permission to join. I'll add you. And we can continue the conversation there if you'd like. So don't forget, subscribe, tell your friends, like the episode, and join us next time. Same bad time, same bad channel. So long, everybody.